Father, we thank you tonight that you are a great God. And you have done great and mighty things, but you're not done. For you're the God of yesterday, today, and forever, and you're doing great and mighty things today. And you have great and mighty things for us to do and to do through us in the days and weeks and months ahead. And we're excited about that. And sometimes, Father, it looks overwhelming, but you don't have us do it on our own. For we are just, we, we are, we are earthen vessels, but the glory of God, the, the light of God and the knowledge of God dwells within us. And so, Lord, as we turn to your word tonight, we're asking you to stir that up in us. Open the eyes of our understanding more and more that we might see the hope of your calling for our life that's in Christ Jesus. And, Father, we thank you that you've given us the word. Now we're asking you for the Holy Spirit who dwells in me and in all of us to quicken this word in us, that it may be not just more information, not just a Bible lesson, but this might be life imparted to us. For Jesus said, my words are spirit and they are life. And we come to drink of the spirit and of the life of your word tonight. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, again, just a quick reminder, because it was, oh, I guess it was last Wednesday, we're still doing this. Uh, uh, James is a, is a book written uh, by, most likely, the half-brother of Jesus. And it's written to Jewish believers that had been driven out of Jerusalem by persecution. And many of them had ended up in what's called Asia Minor, which is Turkey today. And because they were away from the mother church and they didn't have FaceTime in those days, they couldn't get onto Skype and they couldn't make cell phone calls or telephone calls or telegrams. All they could do is write letters back and forth and there was no mail system, so it was carried by courier. They really lost connection and contact with the mother church. And so as a result, they're kind of out there on their own and they would band together. But while they were there, different factions, different, different uh, um, heresies tried to pull them aside, many of them trying to pull them back into the, the old rituals of Judaism. And the book of Hebrews is a letter written about that issue from a very spiritual point of view. And James is written in the Bible for the same purpose from a very practical point of view. It deals with our everyday life. And so we t- the beginning of chapter 1 talks a lot about going through trials and persecutions and, and difficult times and how to deal with that. And, and the main thing you need is wisdom. In the trial, whether you're in a trial, whether you just come through a trial, we need wisdom. And I'm, I'm going to stop here for a second. Is that okay? I'm going to do it anyway. Um, because many times what we do is we'll, a situation will come to us. Someone will come to us, we'll get an email or some, some uh, text or something that, that somebody's in a situation, please pray. And what we tend to do is just react and just start saying prayers. Uh, whatever we've been taught, whatever scriptures come to us, and sometimes we're just going to throw them up in the air and hope something sticks. And then we go on, and then, you know, it, then what happens is we hear it didn't work. I'm not going to ask for a raise show of hands, but we've all had experience. It didn't work. And then what happens is we can get discouraged. Well, that doesn't work. So we may say a prayer just so we feel better, but our heart's not in it. And what we're learning on Sundays, it's what your heart's in that matters. And I'm saying that because one of the things I was taught in Bible school, I just forget it from time to time and sometimes for long periods of time, is unless it's a real urgent emergency, like you're in, the, you're in the emergency room and they're about to open somebody up, we need to ask God for His wisdom of what to pray. That didn't go over too big. I don't want wisdom, I want to be healed. Now, you, sometimes you need wisdom because sometimes God's answer for you may be to change your diet. I know that'll go over big. We're stuffing Twinkies and awful waffles and, you know, chips and all this stuff, sitting on the couch, stuffing this stuff in our mouth, not exercising. And, you know, and, we're, and we go to the doctor and he says, you're about to have a heart attack. Oh, let's get the prayer. You just stop eating this stuff. I know of somebody whose daughter was in very serious physical condition and they went and they, they asked God, what do you want me to pray? And the Lord says, she's not eating enough potassium. Or something like that. So they had that checked, and sure enough, that was low. And so all she had to do was start changing something in her diet. And this was a very spiritual man. He almost said, "That doesn't. That can't be right. I got to pray and take authority over this thing." Sometimes it's a practice. My point is this: we need God's wisdom. We need to. And we saw in James earlier in this chapter. He said, "If you lack wisdom, ask of me. 
I'm not going to criticize you and say, what kind of dummy are you? You ought to know that. And I found that even if I've asked him over and over again, he will never criticize me. I'm so glad for that. <laughs> but you've got to ask in faith, nothing doubting. And he will give you the wisdom. So many times what we need is wisdom. And then from that wisdom, it may be what to pray for. Sometimes we pray for situations God doesn't want you to pray for. So we need to ask Him what to pray for. And the interesting thing is when He tells you, it's much easier to believe because He's just told you what to pray for. All right. Well, let's get into the message or else we'll never get out of James chapter 1. And there's some good stuff in chapter 2. So we're going to start in verse 17. Every good and perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of lights from whom there's no variation and shadow of turning. We talked about this. Last week we went over this, verse 18. Of His own will He brought us forth, and He brought us forth, we saw last week, by the word of truth. Somewhere, some way along the line, for in order for you to receive Christ, you heard the word somewhere, some aspect of the word, of the gospel, of this word. It may not have been a direct quote, but you heard the word, and He brought us forth by the word of truth, and He brought us forth out of the world. The word church doesn't refer to a building in the Greek it refers to a group of people that is literally ecclesia, called out once. And it implies called out of something and called together for a purpose, together. So we talk about the church. It's, 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 it's all those who have been called out of the world and the world's kingdom and the world's system, called, this is a big part of it, together for a purpose, not just to hang out on Sunday morning and Wednesday night that we might be a kind of first fruits of His creatures. Verse 19. So then, my beloved, this is because we were called forth by His Word, my brethren, let every man be swift to hear, quick to hear, that means, prompt to hear, more open to hear, slow to speak. This is old saying. There's a reason why God gave us two ears and one mouth. Quick to hear and slow to speak. Now, I'll be very frank with you. That's a challenge for me. I've had two professions in my life. I was a lawyer for 20-some years, and I'm obviously a preacher, pastor. Both of them involve talking. And my wife will tell you, it didn't take a lot of work from the beginning at all. I've talked all my life. And when I was younger, I loved to argue. I would take any side of anything and just argue it for the sake of arguing. So my instinct is to talk more than it is to listen. And one of the things I had to learn... <laughs> one of the things I had to learn was, especially in, in, in meeting with people or trying to give counsel, is to find out what they were there for. Because they'd sit down, I'd hear three words and launch into a sermon. Tell them what's wrong, what the Word says. And they'd go, and by the end of that hour, they got a whole personal sermon and walk out and I'd sit there saying, wow, that was great. And they have no idea what I was talking about. It didn't meet what they were here for. And then I began to learn that you will not get people to receive something they're not interested in hearing. Anybody ever have a small child? Anybody ever been a small child? They will only hear what they're interested in listening to. So you'd mentioned in our family growing ice cream. The ears were out. Where is it? They show up. And then you'd say, bedtime! Huh? Because they'll hear what they're interested in hearing. Even right now, with, I don't know, 250, 300 people in this room... You're not all hearing at the same rate, the same depth. Some of you are going to be hearing this at a more meaningful level because it's going to speak to somewhere where you are. Sometimes I've been in a service and I've heard the same message I've heard before, but suddenly it, has a, it, it resonates with me. Why? I may be in a position in my life where I identify with that. I need that right now. So the point is this. We hear at different levels of openness. And the other side of this is God's always speaking. Now, I've said this before. Just think about it. God's here tonight to speak to us. 
We sang, he's a great God. But let's talk for a minute about this great God. He knows everything. I mean, he knows everything. He knows what the stock market's going to do tomorrow. He knows what's going to be you're going to encounter tomorrow. He knows the answer to every question you have. He knows the answer to questions you don't know you have. He knows every need you're ever going to have. And He knows where the answer is. He knows everything. And He wants to talk to you. He's not holding it back. Now, there's some things He'll hold back because He knows you're not ready. Jesus at one point near the end said to His disciples, I have many more things to share with you but you're not ready to hear them yet. So I'm not going to waste my words, basically he's saying. He wasn't judging them. He said, I know you can only hear so much right now, and that's all I'm going to tell you. But think about that. He knew everything. And he tried to tell them things they didn't hear. He kept telling them, look, there's going to come a point. They're going to arrest me. I'm going to give myself over. They're going to crucify me. I'm going to be dead and buried. And the third day, I'm going to rise again. So he's arrested, he's crucified, he's buried dead, he comes alive from the dead, and he appears to them, and they don't believe him. Just 12. Several places, he rebukes them for the hardness of their heart. And he's standing in front of them with nail holes in his hands. And they still won't believe. And they walk with him for three and a half years. So the point is this. I forgot what the point was. Oh, no, I know who now. The point's this. God's speaking to us. Tonight, God wants to speak something to you. Not so much with ears here, but to hear and hear. When we have someone who locked Lafayette in, I'm listening for what God's saying to me. Not so much even what He's saying, what God wants to say to me through these times. And I'll be frank with you, one of the reasons I bring some people in is for me. Because I need to hear from outside. Because I, You promise not to tell people if I tell you a secret? I don't know everything. So if I don't know everything, there are people that know something I need to know. This is one of the things I'm learning. And if I do all the talking, I already know what I know. So my talking isn't going to do me any good. So I need to listen to people that may know something. And I've been amazed at who who God can use that I didn't think knew enough to help me. But God does. See, God's the source. So whenever you come to church, whenever you open your Bible... Whenever you listen online or something, assuming it's somebody good, listen for what God's trying to say to you. Don't worry about the personality. What is God saying to me? Okay, and the point here is this. We need, to be, we need to be quicker. Swift means prompt. Leaning towards. To hear. And a little slower to speak. Because we're talking about the Word of God. The Word of God working in us. And slow to wrath. Slow to wrath. Slow to wrath. Usually by the time you've heard, if you've really listened, you won't end up in wrath. Now there's a righteous anger, but that does not involve your flesh. That's God's spirit in you angry for righteousness and against sin, but never against a person. All right, we better move on. Okay. Well, here's the end, verse 20. For the wrath of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Some people say, well, I just can't help it. I'm just, that's just what I'm like. I get angry easily. Well, either you need to get saved or you need to begin to exercise discipline over your flesh. Because anger is, an, is, is of the flesh. Well, it's my nationality. I thought you were a Christian. Because my Bible says, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creation. It doesn't say if any man be in Christ and he's still Italian, Polish, you know, Portuguese, whatever. If any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. You ready for this part? All things have passed away, and all things have become new. That just means you haven't renewed your mind or exercised dominion over your flesh. Because the anger of man produces nothing good. Verse 21, Therefore, because of this, lay aside all filthiness, the excess of wickedness, and this is what I wanted to get to tonight, and receive with meekness 
the implanted word which is able to save your souls. And this is where we ended up last time. Receive. You can't receive something that's not given. If you try to take, if you try to get something that's not given, that's called stealing. But if something's given, well, all you have to do is receive it. So the Word of God, we're going to see, the implanted Word is able to save your soul. He's not just talking about going to heaven. The word save there is the Greek word sozo, which means the entirety of making you whole, redeeming you out of whatever it is that you've been in. I was talking today to a man in church that, that he got saved, and then he, the Spirit of God just came upon him. And when he was, when the God was finished coming upon him, he, he, he was on the floor weeping. He got up. He'd been smoking for, I forgot how many years, how many packs a day. And from that moment on, which was years ago, he hasn't touched a cigarette. The presence of God delivered him instantly. Now, it doesn't always happen instantly, but salvation means to deliver you and set you free from anything that Satan has worked a bondage in your life. Anything. It's not of God. But it happens by receiving the implanted Word. Now sometimes we have services here where we may have people come in, and I've done it from time to time, where we'll have a line and people go down and they'll lay hands on you and pray over you for whatever it is, and that's wonderful. And sometimes people will get set free from that. That's how this man got set free. But the primary method God has for bringing wholeness, freedom, deliverance, salvation, healing to you, spirit, soul, and body, is through receiving the implanted word. Implanted implies somebody has planted it in you. But it has to be received with meekness. So last week we talked about received. Tonight we'll begin to talk about meekness. Now, the Bible talks a lot about meekness, especially in the New Testament. Jesus says one of the Beatitudes, Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Let me just clear something up. In the Bible, meek does not mean weak. Just like gentle does not mean weak. Anybody remember a TV show years ago? It wasn't on for long, I don't think, called Gentle Ben. Remember what Ben was? Ben was a grizzly bear. Well, grizzly bears aren't weak. But he was gentle because gentleness is restrained power. The power's there, but it's held back. In the same way, meekness isn't weakness. Meekness is simply recognizing who you are and what you can do compared to who God is and what God can do. It's an openness. And what James is saying here is you can only receive the Word implanted in you to the extent that you're meek and open. What, what's, sometimes we understand what a word means by looking at the opposite. Hardness. One of the things God kept rebuking Israel for in the Old Testament was because of they were stiff-necked and hard of heart. And what he's referring to is God kept trying to correct them. They were going astray. They were walking away from Him. They, were, they, were, they would not listen to Him. God had laid down certain rules for them, and they were for their protection. One of them was not to intermarry with other nations. And they said, well, we can handle that. Well, God understood is when you intermarry with another, someone from another nation, everything that's in their past, they're going to bring with them, including their idols and their God and their religion. And so they, when, they would, uh, when they would conquer some nation or they would come near some nation and stay there for a while, they'd start intermarrying. And guess what happened? They began to chase after some of these idols. And God had to correct them. And he first of all, God's first method of correction, we're covering all kinds of things tonight, was with his word. He would just tell them what he required and remind them that they're wrong. And when they wouldn't listen to his word, he'd have to up the attention. It's like mother, my mother would say, now, now, I had a nickname, I won't tell you what it is. She would speak it. And if I didn't listen to that, she'd give me my whole name. If I didn't listen to that, she'd raise her voice. If I didn't listen to that, I knew what was coming next. So I knew when my name got pronounced in its fullness, it was time to listen. 
because I didn't listen to my nickname. And she was, this meant business. And so, so but, they, but Israel became stiff-necked. They hardened themselves off so God could not sow into them the Word to save them and to deliver them. Um, let's go quickly over to Matthew chapter 11. Meekness is so important. Familiar verse. 28. Come to me, all you who are labor and are heavy laden, or weary, some translations say, and heavy laden, burdened down, and I will give you rest. Does rest sound good to you right now? Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. So this is all how to get rest from our labor. And I'm not talking about your job, struggle, stress. One of the biggest issues in people's lives today is just stress. God doesn't want you stressed out. Your body wasn't made to handle stress. Because when you're under stress long enough, your body starts producing adrenaline. And adrenaline is designed for your body to handle emergencies. But if you're under stress all the time, you're running on adrenaline, and that adrenaline, your body, that will wear your body down. It wasn't intent. Well, how do I get rid of the stress? Come unto me. Come unto me. Because when we're under stress, the, the pressure is part of life. But it's when it starts overwhelming you, when it's wearing you down, when you're weary, you can't sleep and you're distracted by it, then you're beginning to have physical symptoms from it. I had a doctor tell me, because I had a, a chronic situation, that would, not a big deal, but it would show up. And the doctor said, every human being's body has a point that starts breaking down when the stress gets too much. That's your point. So when that starts bothering you, that's an alarm. You're going too hard. And if you don't listen to that one, your body will give you some other ones that you will listen to. And so, so but Jesus is telling us, so take my yoke, that's His work, His responsibility, but learn from me. What was to learn from me? I'm gentle. I mean, just imagine what Jesus could have done to those Pharisees when they came and tried to trick Him. Remember what James and John wanted to do when somebody wouldn't let Him in the town? Lord, let, 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 let me out. I want to try this stuff out. I want to call, we want to call fire down out of heaven. Fry them on the spot because they didn't listen to you. And Jesus said, I understand what you want to do. Your, your, your motives are good, but just the spirit you're of is wrong. Jesus could have done that. Remember he standing with Pilate? And, 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 and they've been mocking him. They've been pulling in his beard. They've been spitting on him. They stripped him. They put a crown of thorns on his head. They're bowing and mocking him with reeds. The Roman soldiers are. And he stands before Pilate and says, Man, don't you understand? I can either put you to death or set you free. And he says, You can't do anything to me that my heavenly Father hasn't allowed you to do. If I wanted to, I could call the legions of angels to come. If he wanted to. So he had the ability in any one of those moments to be completely delivered from it and fry them on the spot. But he restrained what he could have done for his Father's purpose. I am gentle. So he says, learn from me what I'm like. And I'm lowly or meek at heart. This is, describes meekness. He wasn't discouraged. He wasn't, oh, I'm a terrible person. Lowly means humble. Humble means I'm not trying to exalt myself. It's not about me. And I don't know everything. So when we talk about receive the implanted word with, a, with meekness, it's an openness. God will be extremely patient with you if you're just open with Him. One of the first things I said when I got in this role, Lord, I was right over here. This stage wasn't here, so I was right over under here somewhere. And, and I just said, I started looking at all the things that need to be done. There was a crisis, and I, you look at myself, and I looked, I don't have the ability to do this. And I just started saying, God, I have no idea what to do. I don't know why you chose me, because I don't have vision. I don't know what to do here. I have no idea. And God spoke to me as clearly as I've ever heard him. He says, and that's why I called you. What? Because you don't know, you're going to have to depend on me. 
Instead of coming in here with your knowing how to turn a church around, your knowing how to do this, your knowing that. Because when you know, you don't listen. Anybody got teenagers? Certain age, they just suddenly know everything and you know nothing. So what happens? They don't listen to you because they know everything. An amazing revelation hits. Suddenly when they hit 20, you've, got a, you've had a great learning experience because now you know some things. And the older your children get, the more you find they find out you know. And the older I get, the more I know I don't know. That's supposed to be a sign of wisdom. I hope that's true. But meekness means I'm not coming to God saying, well, I know this and I know that and I know that. Then you can't plant the word in that kind of heart. Go with me to Matthew 13. We may hear this from other points of view soon. Matthew 13. Touched on this a little bit at the men's meeting. It's a well-known parable. The parable of the sower. And I'm just going to quickly read down through it and then we'll talk about it. On the same day, Jesus went out of the house and sat by the sea and great multitudes gathered together to him and so that he got on a boat and sat and the whole multitude stood on the shore. Then he spoke many things to them in parables saying, Behold, a sower went out to sow. That's a farmer. And he sowed, and some seed fell by the wayside, and the birds came and devoured them. Some seed fell on stony places where they did not have much earth, and they immediately sprang up because they had no depth of earth. And when the sun was up, they were scorched because they had no root. They withered away. Some fell among the thorns, and the thorns sprang up and choked them. And others fell on good ground and yielded a crop, some hundred, some sixty, and some thirty. Look what he says here. He who has what? Ears to hear. So this parable is about hearing. Not whether you have physical ears, but whether you're open to hear what God's doing and saying. Then the disciples came to him and said, Why do you speak to them, that's the multitude, in parables? And he answered and said to them, Because it's been given to you to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it's not been given. Now you read that, that sounds pretty harsh. That sounds like God's a respecter of persons. That sounds to me like God's saying, You guys are special, but those turkeys out there, I've just been throwing stuff at them because they're a bunch of turkeys. They don't get this stuff, but I've chosen you to show you. That's not what he's saying here. That's not what God's like. He's going to tell us on what basis, now listen carefully, He's going to tell them on what basis they were chosen to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven. But to the others, it was not shown to them. He's going to tell us. Verse 12, For whoever has, to him more will be given, and he will have an abundance. But whoever does not have, even what he has, will be taken away from him, Therefore I speak to them in parables, because seeing they don't see, and hearing they don't hear, nor do they understand. Now go back up to verse 12. For he who has, to him more will be given, he who, and he will have an abundance, but he who does not have, that what he has will be taken. What's he talking about? Have what? He just told us the answer in verse 9. He who has ears to hear. So he who has ears to hear, stay here, for him, he will have an abundance of hearing. But to him who does not have ears to hear, even what he's heard will be taken away from him. Everybody with me so far? So, here, here's what's going on. Every time the Word of God is open, it's not just in church. Every time we're listening to something, even during your prayer time, God wants to speak something to you. And He's only able to speak to you to the extent you're open to listen. Not just hear words, but we're going to see, hear them or receive them in your heart. And remember the scripture in James, receive with meekness the implanted word. Alright, we're going to go on in this. Verse 14. For in them, in, the, in, the, in, in these people, the prophecy of Isaiah is fulfilled, which says, hearing they will not hear, and shall not understand. See, you will not see, you will see and not perceive. For their hearts of this people have grown dull, and their ears are hard of hearing. He's not saying, I've hardened their hearts. 
or I've plugged up their ears. They have hardened their own hearts and they have dulled their own ears. One of the people that taught us in Bible school tells a story about when he was a traveling minister, he went to a farmhouse and stayed with them while he was doing a, a, a series of meetings in the church. And uh, the farmers would go out early in the morning before he would get up, but he would come down about sunrise, and, and there was a pot of coffee, not a, not a Keurig, a pot of coffee, not a Cuisinart coffee maker, a pot, which consisted of a pot, and in the old days, water and coffee grounds, and that's it. They would put it on the wood stove, and it would boil. And as the water boiled the coffee grounds, it would extract out of it the coffee. And he would sit there while the farmers were out, and the woman was fixing breakfast, because they would do their early chores and come back for breakfast. And the grandfather would come down, and he was too old to go out in the fields. And, and she would pour, for, for when the, it's, the, it's bo- you can hear the water boiling in there, she would pour for grandpa a cup of coffee, and when it got in the cup, it's still boiling. And he would take it and drink it straight down. It was Brother Hagen. He almost fell on the floor. He said he was taking it and Because our, our, the, the mucous memories are so tender and sensitive. But this old gentleman had been drinking that way for years and gradually because his, his linings became harder. His sentences became duller. He could drink it literally boiling and it wouldn't burn him. His tissue in here had become dull and insensitive and our hearts can become the same way. We're going to talk more about this on Sundays because we're talking about the heart and getting and being prepared for the Lord to come back. I started a, a sub-series called, not two Sundays ago, It's All About the Heart. And we're going to see why today. Okay, let's move along. So the prophecy of Isaiah was talking to very religious people in Isaiah's day, and they would come to church and say, yes, amen. I mean, they didn't that, that but it's kind of like our people. Yes, amen. Oh, boy, our pastor's on today. Oh, that was a great word. Yes, amen. But as we saw in Ezekiel, they had no intention of applying that in their life. So the word really didn't get in them and do any good, but they were excited about it. Boy, that was a good message. I like it when people respond, so don't, don't think I don't want you to respond. But a lot of times I've found when people really get excited, they're not hearing. Because when the Word really has an impact on us, it, it, it either starts breaking us inside, or, or just get, I get quiet inside, because things are going on inside of me. I don't mind you speaking out. That's good. I want you to do. Look at this. And their eyes, they have closed. Lest they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears. Lest they should understand with their hearts and turn and I should heal them. Deliver them. Save them. Make them whole. That's what James said. Receive the implanted word which is able to save your soul. And now he's going to turn to them. Verse 16. But blessed are your eyes for they see and your ears for they hear. For assuredly I say to you that many prophets and righteous men desired to see what you see and they did not see it and to hear what you hear and they did not hear it because they would have a different time. Therefore, hear the parable of the sower. Now elsewhere, in another version of this, I thought it was in here, but it's not. Jesus said, I think it's Luke. Jesus said, if you can understand this parable, you can understand everything else. But if you don't get this one, you're not going to get everything else I say. Why? Because this is about hearing. Not hearing with our ears, hearing with our heart. Receiving with meekness the implanted word. All right, we've got to move on. Now he's going to explain it. Verse 18. Therefore hear, notice it's an interesting choice of word. He didn't say understand. Hear the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word of God, word of the kingdom, and does not understand it, Then the wicked one comes and snatches away what was sown in his heart. This is he who received the seed by the wayside. Now, in in 
in Luke's version, he says, The sower who sows the seed is my father. The seed is the word of God. So the first one that was thrown and, 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 and it didn't produce anything, the birds came and snatched it, is the, is sown, the seed sown by the wayside is somebody who hears the word and it receives it, it gets snatched away when it's sown in their heart. So it never really gets rooted. It doesn't even get in. And I'm, I'm using the church experience as, as an example, but this applies in your Bible, in your own private time. This applies when you're riding in the car or listening to a message. This applies to any time God's Word is being spoken to you. The devil will try to distract you because in, in the other version, it says Satan is the one that comes to steal. He comes immediately to steal the Word because Satan understands something we don't understand. He knows what that Word planted in your heart will do. He knows what that seed planted in your heart will do. And so he's after the seed. And his first effort is to keep it from getting sown into your heart. So it goes in one ear and out the other. So he will try to distract us. He will try to physically distract us by things why I encourage people to sit closer to the front because there are fewer distractions. And what's going on here is, is in some people's lives vital and you may not know it's vital. You may be, God may want to be saying something to you today you're going to desperately need tomorrow or Friday. And there's a spiritual battle going on here. It's not just my words or your ears. Ever, ever, ever be in prayer and you're starting to sense something and your mind says, you know what, I need to do this. I need to do that. I need to do this. That's a distraction. So you don't make contact with your heart with God. I've got to move on. Okay. Second one, verse 20. He who receives the seed on stony places, this is he who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. Praise God, hallelujah, oh, that's great. I mean, they received it. Yet he has no root in himself, but endures for a while. For when tribulation or persecution arises, notice here it again, because of the word, immediately he stumbles. This is where the seed gets planted, but there's no depth to the soil. So if you plant seeds, the first instinct of a seed is going to be to send a taproot down. Because what a taproot does is a taproot does two things. It provides security because the deeper that root goes, the harder it is to pull it up. The other thing is it goes down deeper where the water is and the nutrition is. And once that root goes down, then roots will begin to spread out to not only provide greater strength, but find nutrition in water. But if there's no depth to the soil, that tap root can't go down. It has to start going out. It, and because, therefore, there's no depth to the roots. There was a perfect picture uh, 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 a year or so ago when one of these storms came through and I, we were somewhere else and I saw a video clip of some house in Warwick, I think it was, where the, a tree had blown over and the yard had ripped up. It was still, it was like a big piece of sod. Remember that? Ripped up like that. Why? Because the tree had no depth to its roots and grass has no depth to its roots. You ever seen these saw, have sod put down? It's about that thick. Because grass doesn't go deep, it goes out. But what happens in August if you don't water your grass? It turns brown, doesn't it? Because there's no depth to it. And so, so in each of these conditions, he's talking about the depth of our heart. Because the seed's the same. The difference in what it produces is the condition of the soil that the seed is planted in. And the soil's condition represents the openness, meekness of our heart to receive the Word. I used to struggle sometimes because I'd sit in, in, in a Bible class in, in school and i said, well, <laughs> one of our teachers taught by telling stories. And he told the same stories over and over and over and over and over and over 
and over again. And I'd sit in class. Now, I was in my mid-30s, and I'd left my law practice, so I had some life experience. But there were some young students there, right out of high school, going to Bible school. And after a while, they'd sit there and kind of repeat the story out loud with him. Their heart wasn't open. And I was tempted to have an attitude. Well, you know, I hear this, I hear this three times a week. And then it dawned on me, wait a minute, John. You resigned your law practice, uprooted your family, moved halfway across the country to sit in this class and not receive what this man has. And then God began to speak to me. You're sitting in this chair because he knows something you don't know. And you can miss it. Having come all the way out here, sitting in this chair, pay this price, and you can miss it if you're not open to hear what he has to say. So I repented. And then I would find sometimes I'd have this attitude, well, I've heard that before. And then I began to learn, if I think I've heard it before, I haven't really heard it. I haven't heard it in my heart. Because when I hear truth in my heart, I love hearing it over and over and over again. I've used this example before, but I've never heard my wife, if I tell her I love her, say, look, you've told me too many times. I've heard that before. Unless I don't mean it when I say it. But if I look her in the eyes and say, dear, I love you so much, I've never had her look back at me and say, yeah, but I've heard that before. No, because if I mean it, it's going to minister to her. So truth will always open to hear. So if my attitude is, I've heard that before, then my heart's hard. That's not meekness. That's I know something. I don't need to hear anything because I know. That's the opposite of meekness. And if my heart, if I'm not meek in my heart, then God can't plant in me the seed He needs to sow in me, which I may not need today or tomorrow, but I may need a week or a month from now. And immediately, because of persecution, pressure arises because of the Word. To choke out the Word, He stumbles. Let's go on to the next one. 2022. He received the seed among the thorns as he who received the word, and the cares of this word, the deceitfulness of riches, choke the word, and he or the seed in him becomes unfruitful. This is a case where soil has depth to it. So the roots can go down, whereas they couldn't in the shallow soil. But there are other things that are growing in that soil also. There's, there's, there's thorns in, in thistles growing. And those are plants also, but they don't produce fruit. But what do they do? They compete for the water and the nutrition that's there. And as a result, they choke off. The plant grows, but it doesn't produce the full fruit because there's, not enough, there's competition in the soil for the nutrition and the moisture. And this is referring to when... A, Things get in our heart that choke off the Word. The cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches, choke off the world. And we'll look at that. We don't have time to get it tonight. But we will be getting to this on, not this Sunday probably, because what we're going to look at where Jesus talks about in Matthew 6, He talks about where your treasure is, that's where your heart is. And that whole discussion is, what's your heart given towards? And then, he, in verse 19, he talks about you can't serve two masters. That's a hard... Serving is something you do with your heart. You can't serve God and stuff, mammon. And then he goes into this seemingly different story about, about therefore, don't worry about what you're going to wear. And don't worry... What's worry got to do with my heart? Because what do you worry with? When you worry about something, you give your heart to it. I used to be a, I used to be a, a, a I used to like all sports, and I've just kind of as gotten older and really more into some of the things of God. Some of the things that used to I'd be passionate about just don't seem to mean anything to me. So there's sports out there right now that I used to get passionate about. I don't care what happens anymore. Why? My heart's not given over to them anymore. But, there, but, but when we worry about what we're going to wear, it doesn't mean we shouldn't think about it and plan about it and make provision. When we worry about, when we, when we worry about something, we give, our heart, we give a place in our heart to that. 
And when we give a place in our heart to that, it competes for our heart's attention with the Word of God that's sown in there. Because you can't worry and be in faith at the same time. They're the opposite of each other. And so if you're starting to worry about something, then the Word of God, which is intended to produce faith in your heart, is being, the faith is being sucked out of your heart by the cares of this world. Notice it's not saying, don't make, it doesn't say don't make provision for the things of this world. It's when, it's when it has your care for it. And then he goes on to say, seek first. Seeking is something you do with your heart. Seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. It says in several places, if you want to find the Lord, you shall seek Him with all your heart. So our seeking is something we do with our heart. So when the seed is planted in our hearts, and our hearts are consumed with worry about the affairs of life, then what happens is that word gets choked off. And it may begin to produce some hope in you. It may begin to produce something in you. But it's not going to produce its full potential to, to remember, to deliver you and to set you free. Because back in James we saw, receive with meekness, with depth of your soil, of your heart, the implanted word which is able to save you, deliver you, set you free, whatever it is you need in your life. That word is the ability of God to bring His life into you and to fill you with His life and His presence and to drive out everything out of your life, fear, anxiety, depression, whatever it is, out of your life, and to fill you with the love and the presence of God and the hope and the power of God. That's what this seed is intended to do. And it has the ability of God to do it. But it can only work to the extent that there's depth to our hearts, and that just means openness to receive it, and it doesn't have to compete with other things in our heart that draw its life away. So our scripture here is in James, receive with meekness, not weakness, openness. I need to hear from you, God, and I have no preconceived ideas. When I go to the Lord in the morning, I just open my heart to Him. Say, God, whatever you need to say to me, I need to hear from you. If you need to correct me, I trust you because you love me. I want what I want you know what I need I don't know and I just open my heart to you and if would it search me if there's something in me that needs to be exposed and come out search my heart so that my heart stays open to him that's the meekness that Jesus is talking that James is talking about it's an openness because remember what the Israelites do they harden their heart so they could hear with these ears but they couldn't hear with his heart. Sometimes we have a speaker comes in and they may appoint, approach something from a different point of view and you may hear something you don't like or don't understand and then walls go up. Walls go up. What I just did is I shut myself off from God talking to me. Just like if I say, well, I know that. I've heard that before. I've just put a wall up and said, God, you can't get through to me because I already know. I've sat in meetings where somebody was completely wrong about something but I heard what I needed to hear. Because I didn't shut down just because I didn't like what I was hearing. And I got to deal with that with, you know, guess one thing's got to deal with me going through these treatments. Because there were some teachers out there that I had preconceived ideas about and I just wouldn't listen to. But there were some of them that I needed to hear what they had to say because they were talking about what I was dealing with. And I had, to, I had to make myself listen to people that I didn't like to listen to. And I discovered they had some things. And I'd been missing them all these years because I had a preconceived idea about them, so I put a wall up. Attitude. It's called an attitude. Ever have your kids cop an attitude? That's not meekness. But we can do that. But this is what I want to end with. Understand why this is so important. Come back to what we started talking about. Think about this. Meditate about this. God wants to talk with you. Not to judge you, not to condemn you. And even if He corrects you, it's because He loves you and He wants to help you. And when we put walls up and say, I don't want to deal with that, I don't want to hear that, we're hardening our heart in that area and it becomes more and more difficult to hear. We have to maintain a soft heart, soft towards Him. 
And then we have to maintain a soft heart towards one another. Because one of the things I've learned, if I begin to put walls up to my wife or anybody, I've now put a wall up to God. I cannot be open to God and close to people. Because you can't open your heart in one side and close it in another. You're either open or you're closed. It's like if you're underwater, your mouth is either open and water's getting in it, or it's closed and water's not getting in it. There's no part way. And so what's so important, what makes this such an important subject to Jesus and therefore to us, is God's basic way of delivering us and setting us free. His basic way. Some of you are in financial difficulty and you're looking for money and God's answer is wisdom. He may have something he wants to talk to you about. You're uncomfortable with him talking to you about it. It may be tied. I don't know what it is, but if you're, if you're so uncomfortable, you don't want to hear it, you've just cut God off from giving you an answer. And then we want to run around and get all kinds of people to pray for us and God's sitting there going, it's God who wants to communicate with us. He wants to set you free. He wants to deliver you. But it's the Word of God implanted in our heart that will do that work. But it has to be received, received with meekness and openness. Very important. Let's pray. Father, we believe you've sown your seed tonight to me as well as to all of us. And Lord, we ask your Spirit's help to strengthen us in our inner man so that the eyes of our understanding may be enlightened, that we may see the hope of your calling for our life that's in Christ, that we may see what it is you want us to see, that we may hear what it is you want us to hear, and that we may receive what it is you want us to receive. Father, forgive us because there's many times we've had attitudes towards maybe people. We've had attitudes just towards your word. Sometimes, we, many times, we've just been casual about it and say, well, it's the word, you know, it's my Bible. I'll read it when I get a chance. And not realizing that this is the means you mean, use to set us free. And so, Father, forgive us. And tonight we come to you and ask you to help us to understand in our hearts what it is you want to do for us through this word and to help us to deal with any issues of pride or hardness of our heart that our hearts may become open and tender towards you and towards your word so that we can receive all that you have for us and for us to do in Jesus' name. Amen and amen.